a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Expanded Inside Sources. Great to be with you every day on KSL News Radio from 1 to 3. And I am Mara Carabello, joined by Taylor Morgan. We are filling in for Boyd Matheson. And Taylor, have we got a lot to talk about we today? We do. Yeah. So we're going to kick off with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case that many in the media are calling controversial. I think that would probably represent all of <laughs> There's the There's a lot cases. of hyperbole. Yeah. But this is really timely. It has to do um, with some conditions around elections we've seen and the definition of who gets to be in control of state elections. Is it the legislature? Is it the executive branch? Is it the legislative process? The it, legislature with the lower case? Yeah. Do the courts have a role? There's a lot of um, at stake, as there are with most Supreme Court cases. And um, it involves both the relationship between the federal government and the state governments and election law, which is uh, this relationship between state and federal government is something that Utah has a longstanding interest in. And today we have an expert with us. We have Douglas Spencer. He is an associate professor of law with the University of Colorado and an election law scholar. So uh, as they start this, this has not been heard by the Supreme Court, but they have agreed to take it up. So Doug Spencer, thanks for joining us today to help break down this issue. Yeah, hey, Mara and Taylor. Thanks for having me. Okay, Professor Spencer. Can I call you Professor? <laughs> you can. You can call me Doug, whatever you'd like. Okay, Professor. <laughs> uh, I I like to think of myself as a, an elections expert, and I nerd out on elections and election process and everything, but this case is the reason I didn't go to law school to become an attorney. <laughs> so help help me out, help our listeners out. Can you please give us some background and context on this case? Absolutely. This is a case that's asking the Supreme Court to revisit and overturn several cases that they've heard in the past over the past 100 years um, to allow for the regulation of elections going forward only by a state legislature. But it's complicated. The U.S. Constitution says the time, manner, and places of holding elections and the manner by which people are appointed to the Electoral College is decided in each state by the legislature thereof. And state legislatures in the country have made the argument that because the U.S. Constitution uses that word legislature and mentions them, that that means they're the only person, the only body that gets to make these choices. A governor can't sign on or veto it. A state Supreme Court can't review those decisions. The argument is that because the Constitution uses that word, legislature, the state legislature then gets to make election laws in a vacuum with no other checks or balances. And that's why it's become such a controversial issue. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. 
I'm Andrea Smartin, and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So um, they are hearing arguments today on this case. I, I want to clarify that. But one of the things that I'm interested in this is that I, I would be among those who, frankly, are a little annoyed with those of us in the media that refer to the actions of the Supreme Court in political language. I do think that there are approaches to reading law, and I think that there are more liberal and, and conservative approaches. But one of the things that interests me about this um, is that – it's not lining up. There are very conservatives, the the Federalist Society, who who is sort of lining themselves with with what would be uh, more traditionally progressive points of view. But the Republican Party, which I'm not suggesting um, is in play for the for the Supreme Court, but the Republican Party has been traditionally the ones that would be in favor of these changes. Um, Doug, how are you seeing the the uh, justices, particularly on the conservative side of the ledger, because I don't think that this is, I think this is falling more into how you view um, and interpret law, not actually about the other conversations Republicans and Democrats are having. So how do you see the justices lining up? Is this considered a liberal interpretation issue or a conservative interpretation issue? Can you sort through the politic of that? I will try to, and I appreciate that. I agree with you that so much of this case has been framed in political terms and raw political power, who we think will win. I think what's interesting about this case, why we're seeing a divide that's not so much traditionally liberal or conservative, is because conservatives, at least the Republican Party, has brought this case out of North Carolina. But if the Supreme Court adopts that particular argument that the Republican legislature has put forward, it wouldn't be good for the Republican Party writ large. Uh, For example, if a legislature is the only group that gets to make election laws, then an independent redistricting commission would not. But independent redistricting commissions only have been uh, created in blue states, in which case we would likely see more aggressive gerrymanders that would favor Democrats going forward. So Mm. there are there is a political element to this, but it doesn't cut so cleanly one way or the other. And it has split the conservative justices, at least judging by the way they were questioning the lawyers this morning during oral argument. Um, you know, there are three justices, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, who seem to agree that there was some merit to this case, that the word legislature taken very literally and textually just meant the people who were elected to a state legislature and that a state couldn't decide that a different body, for example, a redistricting commission, could make election laws for this purpose. But there were three justices, Justice Barrett, Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts, also conservatives but who have a different set of conservative values, which is trying to maintain a legitimacy of courts as an institution and limit the amount that federal courts will tell states what to do. And they're arguing suggested that they're not going to sign on to this argument, even though um, three of their conservative justices friends are likely to do. Hmm. We're speaking with Professor Doug Spencer, associate professor of law at the University of Colorado. Uh, He is also an election law scholar about the case being heard today at the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., about uh, who is in charge of coming up with election laws, uh, legislatures, the legislative process, courts, so on and so forth. When we know they're hearing arguments today, when, Professor, do we think the court is going to rule or act? What, what, what should we expect to hear next? 
So usually cases of this magnitude take a long time for the court to both write and release to the public. The last time, the, the latest that they could release this opinion is next June, and I expect the opinion to be late next spring, May or June, in part because there will be a lot of wrangling uh, and negotiating behind the scenes about who's going to write which opinion, uh, and in part because it's a very, very highly watched case. They're going to want to make sure that they get everything right in their opinion. And in the past, if history's any guide, the most important salient publicly facing cases come out very near the end of the term when the court can leave for the summer and not have to answer questions about it and when they've put mm. everything together. So I expect it to be several months. So better or worse, we'll be, we'll be in the midst of the start of a presidential election at that time. <laughs> um, what are the stakes here? What, you know, to sort of stay maybe high level, but what are stakes for both sides and outcomes? I think the stakes are where this case gets really interesting because there was a lot of talk today in the oral argument using language like the blast radius of our theory is not so big, but the blast radius of the other side is enormous because they're trying to both uh, talk about how disruptive this would be. It certainly will be uh, extremely disruptive if the court adopts this theory that a state legislature alone gets to act without any checks or balances. So gerrymandering is one um, way in which we would see more common uh, and more extreme cases because a legislature could do whatever they want and the state Supreme Court could never rein them in. But there's also a whole bunch of other chaotic features about this. So most election laws, by the way, are not passed by a state legislature. Where your polling places, yeah, what yeah. hours your polling places are open, all of those would be called into question. And of all of the elections we've had, at least in my lifetime, I'm 45 this is the worst time for us to be causing any doubt about the rules that are governing our elections and calling everything into question, as you point out, right in the middle of a presidential election and a presidential election featuring a candidate who has complained about the rules. So it features some very risky, chaotic outcomes if the court adopts this theory in a very extreme way. Yeah. Douglas Spencer, associate professor of law at the University of Colorado. Thank you for joining Inside Sources and sharing your expertise with us. Listeners, stay tuned. Coming up, we are going to talk all about TikTok and how it could pose a security threat and what the government is doing to manage that threat. Stay tuned. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.